Hello and welcome to Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. Journal Sessions is a weekly podcast that features a look inside Pastor Bob's journal on the things that he is thinking deeply and praying deeply about, among some stories along his journey. On this episode of Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast, Pastor Bob dives into wasted glory. What does that mean? And it's a lesson that he learned from one of the greatest mentors that he's had in his life, Pastor Jim Hilton, who just recently passed away. He talks about lessons that he's learned from him and also honoring Pastor Jim. Take a listen. About a week and a half ago, I had the honor and the privilege of preaching at the celebration service of Jim Hilton. Jim was 88 years old and he went to be with the Lord. He was the last of my spiritual fathers that was in and out of my life every day, or on a regular basis at least, not every day, but a good bit of the time. No major decision without talking to Jim. No questions of theology uh, without running them by him. How did he see them? Uh, I love Jim. I've been blessed to have some incredible spiritual fathers, and I still have some, but I don't have any left that I see regularly. Uh, I call them, they'll call me, But as far as people that are pouring into my life at that level, um, he was the last, and and it hurts. It hurts because I love him. It hurts because I'm going to miss him. Uh, But I was honored to speak at his funeral. Jim helped me in so many ways. I, I first heard Jim when I was a student at Baylor University. He would speak at the Fullness Conferences. I always had this question about the Holy Spirit. How does he work in the Christian life? I was raised in a more traditional Baptist church, and so there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on the filling of the Spirit. Uh, There was a lot of nervousness about it because the charismatic movement had happened in the 60s, and a lot of churches were being split by it. There was fear about it, and I'll never forget uh, when my dad was pastoring uh, First Baptist Lindell, growing up as a teenager, one Sunday in the back, there were all these young people And we were singing hymns and we were worshiping and all of a sudden their hands were lifted to the sky. What was going on? We'd never seen that before. And it was a guy named David Wilkerson who had moved to Lindell, Texas and bought a ranch there for kids that were coming off of drugs, him and his staff. I I didn't really know who David Wilkerson was. I'd seen the movie, The Cross and the Switchblade, and and it was a Christian movie, and that was great. But what's this Pentecostal guy doing coming to a Southern Baptist church? And I remember my dad asking, he said, you know, Brother Dave, we're glad you're here, but but uh, but why do you bring these kids here? Why do you come? And he said, here's the thing, Bob, I'll teach them about the Holy Spirit, what we want to teach them, but I want them to be taught the Word of God. And I know you do that. And so I grew up with people coming to our church in Lindale, like Keith Green, I played football with him on Sunday afternoons. It's before I understood who he was. And so uh, because I played on the football team there in Lindell Sunday afternoon. Sometimes they'd call and say, hey, we're playing ball, Roberts. You're going to help us. So I'd say, okay. I didn't know what to think about Keith Green. He was a curly-haired hippie guy who loved Jesus and was just kind of weird, but I never really got to know him. And Dallas Home and the Agape Force and YWAM and and uh, Team Challenge, all of them were right there. So it was kind of a confusing experience for me. To make matters worse, this guy my dad always admired named Leonard Ravenhill, moved to town. So he went to my dad's church. So I grew up around a lot of these guys, but they weren't in your normal Baptist circles. And they didn't necessarily preach for my dad, and my dad didn't preach at their events, but they were good friends. So we were frankly good for one another. Uh, And, and, you know, 
we both, there was a giving and receiving to that. And I remember trying to figure it all out. Well, when I heard this guy named Jim Hilton, he was a Baptist like me, and he had things to say about the Holy Spirit. And I would listen to him. He understood my language, my culture, my background, but I never did get to know him. And I remember hearing him one day speak at seminary in one of Dr. Fish's class about revival. And, and I actually went and I talked to him and I said, uh, you know, I've always believed that evangelism and the spirit-filled life ought to go hand in hand. And, and why is it some churches are spirit-filled but not evangelistic? Other churches are evangelistic, but there's not an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. How can you separate those two? And, and he said, really, you shouldn't be able to. And so that's the only interaction I ever had with him until he moved back to Dallas-Fort Worth I don't know, around 2008 or nine, something like that. He showed up in my office and he told me, he said, hey, Bob, I remember you coming to see me and because you'd started this church and grown it, it kind of intimidated me, but I always wanted to come back and just visit with you. And so we did. Well, lo and behold, we wound up coming to Northwood and, and he even started a church downtown Fort Worth. I used to tease him when he was 73. I said, you're our youngest church planter. And Jim, there's just something about him. You, you couldn't be around him and not love him. He was kind. He was gentle and all these things. And he walked with me. You know, uh, the thing about Jim, he was a lot like Roy Fish in that I was working with the Muslims. He was excited. I was working with the communists. He loved it. You know, so did Dr. Fish. The other people were, Bob, what are you doing? Mess with all those people. You know, they're going to mess you up. Be careful what people say. Hang out with them too much. Not Jim. He was, go for it. Uh, I was with him a few days before he died, and he was asking about him on Majid. How's Majid? Bob, we got to pray for him. And I sense God's on that man. We need to see what God's going to do in his life. I love Jim. And there were so many things that Jim taught me. When I, when I heard that he'd been ill, but he was getting better, and uh, I'd gone to see him a couple of days in, in a row, and, and so I was frankly shocked because he was showing me all his new exercises. He'd had some heart surgery and how he was going to hurry up and get out of the hospital and so forth. And uh, when I heard he died, it, it, it broke my heart. It made me sad. But I also knew Jim was okay and it was quick. And so I was grateful for that. And, and I went to my journal. My journal is filled with things that he taught me. I mean, the guy was a genius. I think Jim was one of those intellectuals who just wasn't trained classically. You knew how to think. You could talk to him about anything. As a matter of fact, just to give you an idea, he was right, reading books on how the brain functions and 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 uh, psychology and and uh, uh, neuropsychology and how it worked in neurotheology. And he's reading secular books and religious books. Uh, he was brilliant. Uh, he just never was classically trained. He was a great theologian. Uh, I could go on and on and on. And there's so many things that he taught me. I could probably do a whole series of podcasts on lessons Jim taught me. And, and some of them were pretty radical, and I won't even begin to list them. But it was, it was things that would push the envelope. Some may even see them as progressive. He, he was a very open man in how he thought and how he saw God moving and working. But one of the greatest things that he taught me was this concept of wasted glory. Yeah, you heard it right. Wasted glory. Let that sink in. Wasted glory. Now, you've heard that C.S. Lewis, uh, The Weight of Glory, one of his most famous sermons, writings, lectures he ever gave. And it's from 2 Corinthians 4. 
Verse 17, it says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Let's think about that a minute. Jim was reading me that verse one day at Ying Cafe down on Roof Snow as we were eating Chinese food. And he said, you know, Bob, when I think back on my ministry, and this was, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten years ago, he said, when I think back on my ministry, I think about all the wasted glory that we saw. I said, what do you mean by that? And he quoted this verse, the eternal weight of glory. And he said, it's as if God was doing things, but we didn't see the glory of God. People were coming to God for needs. They were hurting. And all those things were significant. But it's as if God wanted to do so much more. And we were spirit-filled consumers of what the Holy Spirit could do for us. And we never saw all the glory that God was trying to get out of what he was doing. And so several things about how we waste that glory. We waste that glory when we get discouraged. Man, I remember wanting to quit. And I would talk to Jim about it. I mean, we desegregated our church. We were working with Muslims. I mean, the toughest part of my ministry, frankly, as a pastor, was the last 10 years of it. Gratefully, the last two, three years were fun, but there was a tough sled in there when God had us reaching out, building bridges uh, to, to the races and to the different religions. And I wanted to quit. I remember telling him one day, I've just, Jim, I just, maybe somebody else needs to come in here. I just don't want to do it anymore. I'm disillusioned. I'm disappointed that Christians know all this stuff. They preach the gospel, but they ignore it. And he said, will you leave me too? I said, what? He said, will you leave me too? I said, that's what Jesus would ask you, Bob. See, a lot of times we grow weary and we give up. And if you look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, it says, therefore we have this ministry by the mercy of God that we do not lose heart. Man, a lot of times we lose heart. Scripture tells us, Paul writes, that we will reap in due season if we will not lose heart, become weary, and give up. And I think a lot of times we come short of God's glory because in the suffering, in the challenge, in the difficulty of the moment, we just want to quit. I've been there. Everybody's been there. I don't know of any great Christian leader who hasn't been there. I love Tim Keller. I know him a little bit. Knew him a lot more back in the day. But I think about the book that he wrote on dying. And here he is dealing with pancreatic cancer. You can't tell me that's not painful for him. I think about people who are hurting and serving. I think about Beth Moore. What a price she's paid. And yet she keeps moving forward. I look at people in ministry, and we all do. We all go through those things we would just say, ah, God, I'll give you my life, but take this life. I've had it with this one. But the scripture is clear. No, 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 no. If we don't give up. I think the glory of God is the most upon us when we're the most broken and the most needy of where he's at. I think another way we lose the glory of God, we refuse to, as the verse says, renounce those things that are hidden, those things of shame. It says we have renounced disgraceful, 
underhanded ways. We refuse to repent. And man, there is so much repentance the church needs to do. We need to do as individuals. We're so big at repenting on the big sins of sleeping around, getting drunk, all that kind of stuff. But racism, well, I don't know. What's that about? I mean, somebody's trying to deal with issues where people have been hurt in our culture and society would make fun of them. I mean, come on. I think a lot of times we like our sin. We like, and, and sin is, the epitome of sin is pride. And the epitome is, of pride is, I'm better than you. You're not as good as me. And we all have things that, that we hold on to. And that goes against, it destroys the abiding that we have in Christ. So he says, we've got to push those things away, the discouragement. We have to push away the sin and we have to hold fast to the word of God. He said, he goes on to say, we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. I love that. I love that. Jim and I would have crazy conversations. I'm not even going to tell you what they were, but we talk, what if this, what if that? But we'd always say, that's just for us to talk. Christian leaders, leaders need to really be careful on their speculative theology because people listen to us. And it's one thing for us to speculate. Sadly, some people hang their hat on our speculative thoughts. I'd, I'd rather be more circumspect with God's word than to handle it lightly and somebody take an interpretation of the scripture that could be less and authentic, and it winds up spiritually costing them or eternally costing them. I'm not willing to play with someone's eternity. Holding tight to the Word of God, those things that we know. Jim and I would talk a lot about, you know, he, you know, he got he had been disillusioned with Baptist, and so he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he got involved in the charismatic church, and he found out it was just as screwed up as the Baptist church. It's not about a church. It's about the Spirit. It was about God. That's what it was about. That's what we have to keep it about. And I love it goes on to say that that created in his image that we need to experience him, that 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 the gospel is for everyone. And, and if it's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing in the case of the God of this world who has blinded the minds of unbelievers and kept them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory, there's that word again, that word glory is all throughout 2 Corinthians 4, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, who's created in the image of God, you are. We share that glory. For we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. So whatever glory he gives us, it's to acknowledge who Christ is. And he's shown us to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And my word, don't you love this verse? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God, not us. In other words, God's glory, even in these jars of clay, flawed, sinful as you are, imperfect, temporary as you are. And he says, you're perplexed, you're persecuted, you're struck down. And yet, even your body, death is at work, but you don't die. And so he comes back. Remember verse 1? Chapter four, so we don't lose heart. So verse 16, so we don't lose heart. Even though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For in this light momentary of affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison, 
So the whole idea is, as everything is difficult, if we don't give up, God's glory rests upon us. And that glory is something to be shared. Even evangelism in this passage is no less than spreading the glory of God to another person. So that glory is multiplied. Think about that. Whoever thought about evangelism as being the multiplication of the glory of God? But literally, that's what it says. Light of the gospel that spreads from person to person. So we don't give up. We repent of things we need to repent of. We move forward holding strong to the truth, knowing that life is tough. It's hard. And we're strong, and because he's within us, and that glory, that eternal weight of glory is there for him to be glorified. But are we wasting it? Are we missing the moment? Are we letting ourselves get discouraged, weak, exhausted, tired, or we would give up? If we do, we're in trouble, and we're missing out. Jim used to love Luby's Cafe. I did, too. It's where I went as a little kid. So when I'd go eat lunch with Jim, everybody knew. I'd tell my admin or whatever, we're going to eat lunch with this. I'll see you in two or three hours. And it, it, uh, it, Jim, when you visited with Jim, you always got gold, but you had to be patient. And I remember my son, I connected him with Jim because I wanted him to get to know Jim. My son's a businessman. And, and he would say, well, Dad, you're right. It takes time. You got to dig for that gold. But my word, the gold that you get. And I think sometimes we want God to do stuff in our lives, but we just rush in. Fix me, God. Save me, Jesus. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Okay, got to go on with life. The point of the glory of God is that it rests upon us according to God's ways in suffering and in difficulty. And we don't shortcut or bypass what we go through. And so it changes everything. Now, I shared some of this at Jim's funeral. And what's interesting is it's an unusual passage to share at a funeral, but it's what he taught me, so it's what I wanted to share. And I didn't see the program uh, of his funeral service until I got home. And what would be on there? <laughs> but 2 Corinthians 4 Verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. That's how you have to live the Christian life. It's just too hard. You have to live things for eternity. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. By the way, I'm reading this from Jim's Bible, one that I got him 12 years ago. And he's underlined good bits of this passage. So, I want to challenge you. Don't waste God's glory. How are you handling what you're going through? It's an opportunity for you to glorify God. Don't waste his glory. I love uh, Philippians 1.6. It's my verse for the year. I did something this year I've never done before. I didn't set any goals. I got too much to do. And here's my verse, and here's my word. Complete it. Philippians 1, 6, who, who, he who began will complete it. Jim completed it. Another verse I found in December, man, I'm using it as one of my verses for this year. It's Joshua, and God is speaking about Joshua in Joshua eleven fifteen. 15. And speaking of Joshua, he says, 
that Joshua left nothing undone the Lord commanded. Wow, isn't that good? He did everything God called him to. Hey, don't you give up. Don't you give up. I know it's hard. I don't know if it's your marriage. I don't know if it's your ministry or your job. I don't know if it's your finances. I don't know if it's your self-esteem, how you feel about yourself. Don't you dare give up. Right now, in the pain that you're experiencing is the greatest opportunity you have for the glory of God to shine strong on you and then to flow through you. If you give up, you've wasted the glory of God. Don't waste His glory. Thank you so much for joining us for journal sessions with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. on the Bold Love Podcast. If you were impacted by this conversation, we would like to ask a favor. First, if you found this episode impactful, please share it on social media and recommend it to a friend. Second, like most podcasts, we are able to make these impactful conversations happen with support from partnering organizations and individuals like you. If you felt led to support these type of conversations, you can do so now and give at support.boldlovepodcast.com. Whether it's a seasonal gift or a monthly donation, we are so thankful for you. For more information on this podcast, show notes, and any other references, you can go to boldlovepodcast.com to get all the information there. We appreciate you joining us. And remember on the Bold Love Podcast, we encourage you to live out your faith boldly, learn how to better love your neighbor, and learn how to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. See you next time.